You're listening to Run Hard, Mom Hard, presented by Treeline Journal and hosted by Nikki Parnell and Steph Moniker. We're here to listen and share stories of motherhood and life from the trails from mamas who run ultra marathons. We hope to be a resource and encouragement to all moms who continue to show up, run, and chase their dreams even after having kids. It's not easy, and we'll talk about all the hard and real parts that make up this crazy lifestyle. But we're also here to celebrate and inspire each other to keep finding their inner mom strength that allows us to show this sport new levels of grit and show our kids that so much is possible. Welcome to another episode of Run Hard, Mom Hard. This week, we have Rachel Drake on the podcast. We talk about mom guilt and training through pregnancy and postpartum and how that all goes because sometimes it's not a straight line. Um, She is a professional athlete through Nike Trail. She's also sponsored by Osprey. She's also getting her PhD. So she is a very busy woman, but she is so optimistic. I really love her perspective on things. We have a really, really great conversation. Um, So get out the door for a long run or grab your coffee and give this one a listen. Hey, Rachel, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you, Stephanie? I'm good. I'm so excited to talk with you. <laughs> um, okay, so can you tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, sure. who you are? Sure. Yeah, so I'm originally from Minnesota and moved out to Portland, Oregon about 10 years ago now um, to go to school at Oregon Health and Science University. Um, so I'm finishing their MD-PhD program right now. And I'm also a professional trail runner for Nike Trail since 2019. And I have very pertinent to this podcast, I have a 15 month old named Lewis. Oh my gosh. I couldn't imagine being a professional trail runner and getting a PhD and having a 15 month old. That's a lot. Yeah. It's (laughs) not all, it's not full on all three at all times. It's kind of like, you know, they, they kind of play musical chairs with, with priority. Um, I mean, obviously Lewis is always like a top priority, but there's times where I have to focus more on, on different aspects. So, yeah. 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 So have you always been a runner or how did you get into running? And then how did you get into like evolving to trailing? Yeah. So I actually was on the tennis team in high school, um, all the way through, I think junior year. And then we would do a mile time trial on the tennis team. And I was one of the few that took that seriously and the track coach at the time was my middle school PE teacher. And she said, Hey, you, you have a pretty good gait. Like maybe you should come out for the track team in the spring. So I did that and then ended up running cross country instead of tennis my junior year and ran track and cross country at the university of Minnesota in college. And then I kind of took a break from it after college. I was pretty burnt out from all the structure and competition and always feeling like I was hustling to try to make, you know, a conference team or a national team. Um, So yeah, I took about a year off when I moved to Portland and then slowly started discovering the trails and just fell back in love with the sport. Yeah. It's funny that you um, were playing tennis and stopped to do track because I was doing track in high school and then out of the blue, my senior year, I'm like, I'm going to play tennis and I quit track. 
join the tennis team just randomly one year. So um, I Funny actually- a little reversal. I know. And I, I really, what I liked about tennis was it was a little bit of an older coach and it was a, a female coach and it was very casual. Whereas like I played soccer and basketball and they were so intense where, you know, if you even goof around, you're running lines or whatnot. And so you go to tennis and suddenly it was like, we could goof off and we could kind of have fun. And it was just a nice change from the intensity of some of the other sports. Um, so yeah, kind of a funny reversal. Hmm. right there. Yeah. Did you know Danny stack or Steph price? Yeah. So Steph and I were on the team at the same time. She was one year ahead of me. And then, yeah, we ran against Danny. She was at Iowa state. If I remember correctly. Yeah. She was such a powerhouse. Yeah. Um, so I was on their four by eight team and we were like one second short of going to state. Oh man. Yeah. Dang. But they, like, they inspired me to get into running more because they're just so good. Cool. That's awesome. All right. That was a little side note. Yeah, that's a good connection. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you got into trails when you were out in school. And when did you become like sponsored then? Um, Yeah. So my first race, I think, was in 2014, if I'm remembering correctly. The Mackenzie River 50K, a really classic. I think it's the oldest 50K in Oregon or in the... Ashley, do you know... it's some, it's funny because I was actually just out on the McKenzie River running and I ran into the race director out there. I'd never met him before. And he was saying like, don't forget our race sign up starts, you know, January 1st, because it feels so fast. It's definitely mm-hmm. one of the most popular races in Oregon. And I'm, I'm not quite sure as far as like if it's the oldest, but it's one of those that's like the classic out here that everyone likes to do. And it's gorgeous. Yeah. It's a great course. Yeah. Um. So I, I ran that, that was my first like real trail race. And I met my husband there and just like, well, we, we didn't, you know, get married immediately. I think like we sort of dated and then we didn't date, but eventually, yeah. I mean, it took, I guess, five years of just doing, I was just doing, you know, mostly Oregon Pacific Northwest races. I wasn't necessarily seeking out high competition in an attempt to get sponsored, but Tyler really encouraged me to seek out some more competitive races and um, kind of never really with the goal of being sponsored, but eventually it got to a point where we were like, okay, we're, we're both doing like, you know, posting some pretty strong performances. Let's try to reach out to some brands and see if we can get some support. Um, So, yeah. When it comes to, you know, running for um, a company and, you know, you're having all the success, what went through your head or was it a challenge mentally with then knowing like you're going to be a mom and being pregnant? Like, did you have any, like, I feel like companies are doing a lot better right now as far as supporting moms, but was that a concern at all for you when you found out you were pregnant or had you already had this conversation with your sponsors? No, I hadn't had this conversation with any of my sponsors and we had actually just re-signed with Nike and we knew that we wanted a family at some point. So as we were talking to different brands, it was one of the things that was not super high priority, but we just, we were considering it more this contract cycle, the whole pregnancy policy aspect of things. It was probably like the 10th thing on our list of importance, but um, Nike was actually the most pregnancy friendly brand that we talked to. Um, And I think that probably stems from just, you know, past mishaps um that they've really gone the opposite direction and corrected uh really wonderfully and 
we got pregnant like I think we were unknowingly pregnant when we signed and then we found out like two months later that we were pregnant so um I'm glad that we we did pay more attention to that this time around because I think that would have been a lot more stressful had we signed with a different brand that wasn't as friendly but um Nike was super supportive we got a new athlete manager and she said hey I just want you to know there's no pressure from us to compete um like you don't have to race at all you can if you want to we'll support you but no pressure to like get back into training and Osprey um our pack sponsor he emailed right away and he was like hey I just want you to know this doesn't change anything like if anything this makes you a more valuable athlete because it's so relatable like there's a lot of moms out there that will be inspired by your story so we're he's like I hope we don't I don't, I hope this goes without saying, but we're, you know, we're super happy for you and, and supportive. So yeah, I was definitely nervous, um, how they would respond because obviously it's, it's going to take you out of competition for, I would say a year and a half for sure, if not more. Um, so, but yeah, but, I, I'm really pleased with how everyone responded. That makes me I so think fun. it's, well, that's what I was going to say. Like it's, I think it's changed a lot, even just in the last few years, because it's taken some, you know, powerful voices, I think from some really admirable athletes who have stepped up and, um, you know, talked about this issue and the importance of it. And so it's kind of nice to see that companies are acknowledging it and, you know, maybe acknowledging mis past mistakes, but then making changes too. So the next kind of mm -hmm. generation of moms don't feel like they have to pick one or the other when it comes to having um, you know, a career and, and being a mom. Yeah. And I, I've said this before and I'll say it again. I really think long-term having kids does make you a better athlete in a lot of different ways. And I think there's so many great examples of that. Um, like I remember Ashley seeing a photo of you with one of your daughters at, at an aid station at a hundred miler. And I was like, that is the goal right there. Like just oh. to be cake, caked in dirt and exhausted and <laughs> holding your child, um, and, and crushing it. So thanks. For it's funny. I think I know what picture you're talking about. And a few <laughs> days after that, I got the worst case of poison Oak. And I remember thinking <gasps> this either makes me like a badass mom or a really bad mom. If she gets poison, Oak oh after my that. Goodness. she did not, but it's like, it was, it was Angela's crest 100 and I had like fallen maybe in the poison oak. And it was, I mean, I had to go on prednisone. It was so bad. And I just remember oh. seeing that picture and then knowing a few days later, like what came. So, um, yeah. Oh, wow. That's a good backstory. Who knew? Right. Oh my all, all the little sides of it. Um, for yeah. sure. Yeah. But yes, that it kind of echoing what Ashley said, it makes me very happy, especially Nike, because I think they went through so much with not supporting pregnant women and to change and to like you are like this was like the most supportive that's awesome that yeah. they turn that around yeah definitely I mean it's it's so unfortunate that so many women had to suffer previously but like it's really the them that that made this change and that's gonna persist moving forward for for other women so I'm super grateful to all of them and also really saddened that they had to go through what they had to go through yeah, for sure. Are you mentally, Rachel, when you found out you were pregnant going from, you know, obviously like training and racing and knowing that this was going to kind of change things for a little bit, were you nervous about it? Were you 
thrilled or kind of what was the mental side? Cause I remember from me, like it was hard to make that choice because I was in the midst of like really loving racing and it was, but also like the clock is ticking kind of thing. Yeah. Um, how was that for you? And how was the decision just even to start a family in the midst of your career? Yeah. I mean, like I said, we knew that we wanted to have a family at some point. And so we kind of got to the point where we were like, you know, there's never a great time to do it. So let's just kind of, let's throw caution to the wind and see what happens. And I also didn't want to wait until we were, you know, desperate to get pregnant. So we just kind of like, I had an IUD and I had that taken out and we just, we didn't, we weren't necessarily trying, but it happened. And so the first thought was surprise. And then a little bit of fear, like, oh my goodness, what is going to happen? This is kind of scary. Um, and a little bit of mourning too, of just, I had, you know, I had a season planned out. I was going to race Chuckanut and then Zagama, which is something that I, I had been wanting to do Zagama for many years. And um, yeah, I was kind of sad that I wouldn't be able to do those things, but then also really excited, um, obviously to have a family, but then also try to change my mindset to really embrace all the changes. Like the, the bodily changes are really cool if you let them be, um, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable at times and all of that, but like, it's a really unique experience to, um, like have the privilege to carry a child. And I just wanted to fully embrace that. So it took a little time, but I feel like I, I did that pretty well in the end. Did you run through your whole pregnancy or did you choose to? Yeah, it, I just let, you know, my, how I was feeling kind of day by day guide what that looked like. So I, yeah, I continued to run pretty much up until the end. Um, you know, it, it was a lot of walking, which I feel like in trail running, you can call it, you can still call it running, even if it's power hiking. hiking. Right. <laughs> exactly. <Not walking. laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah, I, I pretty much, I was running, uh, Tyler coaches high school cross country. And so I would, I would run with the junior varsity team and their, their workouts were like perfect for me. The, the challenge, like. I think maybe two days before I went into labor, I did mile repeats with um, one you. of the JV girls. And we were, I think we were running like nine or 10 minute pace. And if we were both just like, it felt like we were hammering, you know, hands on the knees at the end. And um, I just thought that was really fun to, to still find a way to challenge myself um, within, you know, what felt good. Yeah, for sure. I saw on um, Instagram, I think that, you had a birth injury or maybe it was um, like um, you had an injury. I, yeah, I had a stress fracture. Um, I think that would have been like six months postpartum. Okay. Yeah. Like one of the things that I wrote was like, I did not know that it took six months to get your bone density back after you stopped breastfeeding. Yeah. Yeah. So that's something that I'm, I'm still within that six month, um, you know, after stopping breastfeeding right now. So I'm trying to do really low mileage, really um, be conservative, knowing that my bone density is low. And these were all things like with the stress fracture, I knew that my bone density was low. I thought I was being super cautious. I was trying to fuel really well, um, even though I was nursing and retrospectively, I realized I was doing way too much. Um, I would do things differently next time, you know, with my training postpartum. So what would you do differently? I think I would 
not run for six months. I know that sounds kind of rash, but I really think it's, it's the correct recipe to not getting injured and getting back to training hard sooner. So I would focus on physical therapy and strength training. I would try to do that maybe two days a week. And then I would just do a lot of hiking, walking, um, biking, those kinds of like low impact things. Uh, and yeah, continue to fuel really well. And especially living somewhere like Oregon or Minnesota, taking vitamin D. I, I can't believe I wasn't doing that, but I had low vitamin D as well. And then there's not a ton of evidence to support this, but um, taking calcium, I think just makes a lot of sense. Um, and I started doing that as well. So, I mean, we're losing calcium in our breast milk and obviously that's a, a important building block for our bones. So replacing that, um, I would, yeah, I would do that as well. Have you found other moms as resources? Like, cause I just, I remember when I first got pregnant with Raya and it was kind of pre social media. So pre having ways to reach out and really connect with other moms and just figuring out, you know, ideas of what worked. And now I feel like it's a lot easier to network. And there's also just so much more conversation about, um, you know, ultra running and parenting and nursing while running. Um, are there moms that you've kind of looked to or used as resources as well? Yeah, I, I really lucked out in that three of my really good girlfriends who I've, who I know through running and, um, yeah, I trained, I've trained with all of them for trail races or marathons, road marathons. We all found out we were pregnant, like within a very short time span. So, um, Lewis is the oldest. And then there's another baby three weeks later, another baby three weeks after that. And then another one, I think 12, 12 weeks after that. So, it was really nice to have, actually it was, there was five of us total who went through our pregnancies together. And then a lot of us saw the same pelvic floor physical therapist. And it was really nice to have a group of women to talk to about all the unique challenges of being pregnant and postpartum. And then also in the context of wanting to get back to running. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think in some of your Instagram posts, you've talked about like mom guilt and I experienced a ton of mom guilt during my 100 mile attempt. And it, I just think it's such a big part of training and racing. So can you talk just like a little bit about your experience with mom guilt and like how you work through that? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's, it's pretty much all it's self-imposed. Like no one, no one is, I can't point to anyone who's saying anything or doing anything that makes me feel guilty but yeah it's like um we're gonna go to Hong Kong next week and we're actually my my mom's gonna watch Lewis for two weeks and I'm like I'm feeling really sad about that and also guilty but at the same time I think there's a lot of value in like showing your child what hard work looks like and what going after your dreams looks like and you know, maybe that's just my excuse and way of trying to mitigate the guilt. But um, yeah, anytime I go out on a run, if he he's crying when I leave the door, it's like, am I a bad mom for doing this? He's like walking, he's like going towards the door and I'm trying to shut it before he gets there. Like, that's really sad. <laughs> I've done that too. It is. You just like, I like walk out the door and like put my hand on my heart and I'm just like, oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I've, I've never run a hundred miles, but I feel like when you do something like that, it's like, you just get stripped of all your 
your armor and you're just left with your little very fragile mom core and I can see how there would be a lot of tears <laughs> like yeah. you're exhausted yeah. yeah I sat on a, like on a peak looking out at like Lake Superior and was just like bawling I'm like what am I doing here <laughs> I know dads who have we have like Tyler has other dad friends that have dropped out of their hundred milers being like what am I doing like I just want to be with my family and then mm -hmm. they just literally drop out of the race and drive several hours home yeah it's hard do you have um challenges like with when it came to like nursing and training and like the I remember for me, it was just hard because I had this panic of like, what if she gets hungry while I'm gone? It was especially my first one where it's all new and just how to navigate the nursing with training. Because when you're training for ultras, like it's, you're not just necessarily going for a 30 minute run. So sometimes you are out longer. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I felt like there just wasn't a lot of information out there. And I, again, I think it's a conversation that we're having a lot more, but how was that for you? Did it cause you like, I can't think of how many runs I turned back because I was like, she's got to be hungry by now. And it was fine, you know, and Josh could handle it. But was that ever an issue with your training? And did that cause challenges for you? Well, it was really helpful. Our, our pediatrician kind of told us like, you should, you, you can and should give him a bottle of breast milk. Even now it's not going to cause nipple confusion. So we, we gave him bottles of breast milk, like kind of from the start. So I, I never had that panic moment of like, what if he's hungry? Because I knew that he would take a bottle and that we had plenty of milk. It was more like worried that I was going to have a letdown or that I, you know, my supply was going to drop because I wasn't hydrating well enough or fueling well enough. So it was more feeling like I had to plan ahead to make sure that I was taking really good care of myself so that I didn't have that drop in supply. And then I would, I would always just like, and I still do this, even though I'm not nursing, like sports bra comes right off as soon as the run is done, like let the breasts just fill back <laughs> up. <laughs> it always feels so good, especially like, like a long run and you're like, oh my gosh, like when you're breastfeeding and your boobs just hurt. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Okay. So Sorry, I'm jumping around a lot, but no, I love it. This is how my brain works. Um, okay, so you had talked about like not doing a hundred miler yet. I looked on your ultra sign up and you are like all over the place for distances. <laughs> <laughs> Do you just like doing like all kinds of distances or and like different terrains too? Like you've done road races. You just did CIM, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And now you're training for Black Canyons. 100 yeah. So like yep. so many variability there yeah well I think going back to what you were asking about before with balance and like you know being in school and trying to you know have a career in trail running as well it's like it was much easier to do shorter races while I was in the thick of med school and grad school so I think I sort of found my niche in like the 50k area I feel like that's like my area of expertise within the trail running world but in my heart, I've always been really curious about the longer stuff. So I've done a few hundred Ks. Um, I did CCC in 2019 and Sean O'Brien 100K and then Waldo 100K. And um, I'm really eager to get back to that. And also would love to get into Western States. I've always said, I feel like I need to have a few kids before I 
before I run a hundred miles and now I have one. So I think it's time to try to run a hundred miles. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. So that's what you're trying to do at Black Canyons. Just get a mm -hmm. it. Yep. That's the goal. How's your training been going so far? Um, it's been going really well. I've been continuing to work with the coach. Well, so Tyler's kind of like my trail running coach. And then I have another coach who's helping me more with the speed development side of things. And that's um, Elliot Heath. He coaches the Bowerman sort of elite team. And we do a lot of tempo work. So like mile repeats, um, like maybe anywhere from like 1K to, to three mile uh, continuous, like hard effort. So I feel like that sort of skill will translate nicely into Black Canyons. And then, um, yeah, I just love the team aspect of it. Like they have practice at a certain time and there's probably 15 people that show up and people are doing different things, but Elliot does a good job of overlapping where we can and then been doing more trail stuff on the weekend. So I feel like, I feel like it's going really well. Um, it's interesting with trying to keep the mileage kind of low um, I probably won't, I won't go fat, higher than like set for sure. Not higher than 70 miles, but mostly 50 to 60, um, which is what I did for CIM. And I think um, they were, the both coaches are saying like, you know, someone will look at your training and say, oh, that's not marathon mileage, but those are marathon workouts. So I'm trying to apply that same philosophy to black canyons where someone might look at it and say, that's not hundred K mileage, but those are hundred K those are black Canyon workouts. And that will like be able to, uh, get me where I need to be for the race. CIM was so amazing to see, like, obviously we know you have great foot speed and you have super strong results, but it was really fun to see like coming, you know, knowing you as a trail runner and then see your results with CIM and like, did you know you were going to run such a strong race? Like, had you done workouts that told you like, this is the pace you're going for, or was that shocking or how were your thoughts with CM? And was that your, I mean, I know your goal was to run at Olympic marathons trial time, but, um, did you know you were going to kill it the way that you did out there? I feel, I think the, the confidence really came from the training and I, I stood on the start line knowing, like, I think even on a rough day, I can get the standard and on a good day. I was hoping to run under 235 and I, I ended up running 235 28. So it was pretty close to kind of what I thought an A day would look like. Um, and something about like the, the road training is you, you do have that really quantitative feedback that says you can hit these splits. This is what it feels like you have. Yeah. That tangible, um, that tangible confidence. Whereas with trail running, there's a little bit less of that you can go run the same segment and run a faster time on it. But I think the conditions really um, affect your, your paces a lot more. The terrain obviously affects your paces. And so it's, it's harder, at least for me to go into a trail race with that level of confidence, not having the tangible quantifiable, you know, week to week um, splits sort of. And that's something that, you know, continuing the tempo work is giving me going into black canyons is a little bit more of that, that uh, confidence. I mean, I think that's a great point because if you think about like so many times standing on the start line of an ultra and just like feeling like, well, I felt good in workouts, but like, who knows? I mean, there's so many more factors that come into play. Um, I mean, even just like 
trail conditions and stuff like that. But also when you are training for, you know, a road marathon, you have very specific time goals that your workouts are. And so it's interesting mm-hmm. that you can kind of like almost know, you know, a little better going into a road race, like maybe how you're going to stack up, um, based on, on that. But how did you switch that mindset? Then like you're, you training for CM, you're training for, you know, this fast time. Did you know when you were aiming for CIM that you were going to switch gears and go into Black Canyon? Or was that something that like came up after to kind of change your, your goals after that? It was, it was in my mind, but I didn't want to make any decisions because Black Canyons is one week after the Olympic trials. And so I didn't want to say exactly what I was going to do. Cause I, I'm not going to say, oh, I'm not running the trials when I haven't even qualified for the trials yet. <laughs> so it was one of those things that was in my mind, but it wasn't set in stone. And when I got done with CIM, you know, I loved it. It was such a blast, but the thought of jumping right into another marathon or another road marathon training block just felt kind of mentally draining to me. And that's something that I love so much about shifting gears between road and trail is like, it feels like a different sport. Almost you can, you can be super hyper-focused on splits and pounding the pavement and then go right from that into a trail block. And it, I feel very mentally fresh going into this training block for black canyons, even though I just came off a pretty big training cycle. Um, and I actually did something similar back in 2019. I ran grandma's marathon in June and then I ran CCC in August. And I really liked the way that like my body felt going from road into into a trail race and that was a pretty big shift because obviously ccc is a lot more um has a lot more climbing than black canyon so i think this this shift will be a little bit more natural but i remembered how good that felt and i wanted to kind of replicate that yeah is that what helped you choose black canyons was kind of the timing was it the course itself because that foot speed will carry over like what made you choose black canyon over another um, western states qualifier yeah. So it was, yeah. Thinking about the course, it's like, it's runnable, it's net downhill, yeah. which CIM is net downhill, um, kind of more minimal climbing, which I just didn't have much climbing in my CIM block. So I didn't want to have to add that to my list of skills I had to work on. Like the skill that I'm working on now is going longer and being really mm-hmm. good at fueling. Um, but I didn't want to have to add in too many more variables. And then also, um, the, the only other option was canyons and it's so interesting because there used to be most of the qualifiers were in the new year and it seems Mm -hmm. like they were all mostly last year. So there just weren't that many options. Um, and I, I think there were a few things about canyons that weren't as exciting to me. Um, one is that we might be going to Madeira. Um, Tyler wants to do the Madeira Island ultra trail. And being so close to Western States, if I did qualify, I think that would be a pretty difficult shift for me because I haven't done 100K in a few years. So to do 100K in April and then 100 miler in June would be kind of close. You know, and then there's the whole UTMB race like drama that I just kind of want to stay out of a little bit. So it just made more sense to, to do Black Canyons. Yeah. So one of the mistakes that... I made after Raya, like my first one was, I think because there was a spell where I couldn't run, like I wasn't able to run through my whole pregnancy. And then the time after, after her, I over race, like I kind of almost signed up for everything. And I 
um, I had said I wouldn't do a hundred within a year. And then I actually got into like Western States that year. And how do you turn that down? And it was, mm. it was a great year, but then the next year I really suffered from it because I think I just did too much and I okay. kind of learned with my next one. So, um, I was just curious, how are you? Cause it seems like you're being very smart and thoughtful as far as which races you're going to do. So I'm just curious, was that like, are you, I mean, it sounds like you are being very intentional with like knowing that you need to come back slowly and be smart with your body. And I don't remember thinking of any of those things. I got greedy and was like races, they feel great. I finally get a run. Um, was it hard to like with taking the time off, was there this pressure of like feeling like you wanted to sign up for everything or are you just naturally very smart with your race calendar <laughs> and not making the same mistakes that some of us, you know, did along the way? Um, definitely not very smart with <laughs> making my, I really wanted to race everything. Like I, I signed up for the Orcas Island 50 K at, this is so silly looking back. I can't believe I did this, but, um, what would I have been four months postpartum? I was like, I'm going to rip this Orcas Island 50 K and I ran the first half of it and had a really bad pain in my back and dropped out. And I thought, uh Oh, this is not good. And I ended up having a sacral stress fracture. And I was also going to race the trans grand Canaria marathon, um, in February. So just a few weeks, like three weeks after that 50 K, like I made the same mistake, but I think getting the stress fracture was kind of a blessing because it was it was a slap in the face of like, Hey, you need to slow down, take care of yourself, run less mileage, yeah. um, eat even more food, which I thought that I was fueling sufficiently, but I think, you know, all those things like, Oh, and your body just like, you know, I think the risk of being postpartum is that a lot of times cardiovascularly, you feel so strong because physiologically you are so strong, yeah. but you're, your bones and your muscles, your anatomy is different. Um, your, you know, your abdominal ligaments are separated. Yeah. Your ligaments are loose. There's like the chassis of your car is definitively really weak and you need to hold that. You need to hold back your, your really strong cardiovascular system and let your body catch up. And that takes longer, which is really disappointing. Um, so yeah, I, I was not smart with it. And then when I did get healthy again. I, I worked with my original PT, Matt Walsh, who's like the best in the world. I love that man. Um, and we just like, you know, we're super diligent doing all the little things, doing strength work. Um, and I, I got permission from him and Tyler to, um, and Keely, Keely Hanninger, I always like consult her cause she's really good about this stuff. Have a small group of people that I like to run ideas by, but I, I raced, but I didn't race all out. Like I, I just wanted to be in the community. I wanted to participate. I wanted to be, you know, back without necessarily, you know, physically I wasn't, I wasn't back. I knew I wasn't fit and I knew I shouldn't be racing all out, but I just wanted to be there. So I did the broken arrow 23 K and, and then I did the, the Dolomith sky run and I did Sierra Zinal. And each of these races, I felt like, okay, I'm going to just focus on one thing. So at Broken Arrow, I was like, I'm going to focus on, on fueling really well. And then, um, going to Dolomiths, it was like, I'm just going to 
my goal here is to get back to international high competition and just see how it feels and not, you know, be hard on myself. And then I learned at Dolomiths, okay, I, I don't stack up well with, with climbing right now. So then going into Sierra Zinal, I really focused on getting better at climbing. And I felt that at Sierra Zinal, I crushed the climb. I was like, this is amazing. Like you can work on something and get better at it and see it come to fruition. Uh, and then after Sierra Zinal, like that race taught me, okay, I need to work on my foot speed because I was getting, um, you know, passed by a ton of people on the flatter section. So I worked on that and applied it to OCC. And I feel like each one, each race was like, yes, I'm, I'm racing, but it's not, I'm, I'm using them as learning opportunities and I'm not going into every race. Like, okay, this is it. I'm, this is my A race. So OCC was an A race, but um, I'm trying to be more methodical about the purpose of each race. Yeah, I think that's great. And I, I think it is, you know, super valid, like just that desire to be in the community. And it's like, cause that was such a part of you before having Lewis. And I remember saying yes to pacing Darla, like three months postpartum and everyone's like, you'll be fine. Like she'll have already run, you know, over a 50 K. And I was not fine. I was dying the whole time. I kept hoping she would slow down. I brought a hand pump thinking I would learn how to use it along the way and I couldn't do it. And I oh just my remember goodness. afterwards being so hard on myself because this is like my training partner. We ran together always like, and now we have a baby. I had a baby and it's, it's all, I had this like fear that it was all different. Like it would never come back. And I think there's this kind of urge to like see yourself how you were before very quickly and not being patient. And so I love hearing stories and just kind of the, both the successes and the failures as far as coming back and the mistakes that each of us make so that, you know, the next runner can kind of hear and, and pick and choose what works for them. And I think there was just the only moms that I knew seemed to jump right back in it and they could pump while racing and we, you know, we're running a week after, and that just wasn't my story. And those were the ones I knew. And now, you know, I wish I could, you know, do it over again, or at least look back and give myself a little bit more grace. But there was just that desire to be right back where I was and be like these other moms who are doing it well. Um, but you know, we all, it's such a different, everyone's journey is so different and the pace of how the comeback looks is very different. So, um, it's, thanks for sharing both like your successes and, you know, the mistakes you made. Cause I think those are both really valuable to take away from. Yeah. I'm thank you for saying that. That's something that I, it, it's really frustrating. Cause I think a lot of times in the media, all we hear is like those success stories, those people who bounce back and are doing super well, which is amazing and inspiring, but it, it creates this false narrative of like mom strength, super mom, you know, you can have a kid and come back a few months later and win races, which may be someone's story. And that's incredible and great. Like, I'm so glad that some people can do that, but there's, like you said, such a spectrum of experiences. And I think when we don't talk about the entire spectrum of the way that things can go and that it's okay if you don't run for six months, it might be the best thing for you. Um, and yeah, you might get a stress fracture. You might have other challenges that arise along the way, but it's, it's, those don't tend to come through, you know, the announcers at races don't say, and here comes Rachel Drake. She had a stress fracture and she also had these other pains in training that were likely postpartum. <laughs> she did make it through. And here she's in last place. Like no one's talking about that. Right. Um, right. 
so thank you for for just like for highlighting that because I think I think a lot of people listening to this podcast are probably people that are interested in you know what it's like to be a mom and a runner and maybe they're not mothers themselves maybe they know someone and they want to support them and I think just making sure that we honor the entire spectrum of experiences is so important yeah, absolutely. And I think the pregnancy itself, because I remember that was another comparison game for me, because it both mine at about 20 weeks, I couldn't, Raya was a health thing and Camden, it was just uncomfortable. And I look back and I'm actually kind of grateful because I, I think having that forced time off during the pregnancy, um, helped me down the road because I wasn't running, you know, the whole pelvic floor. And I, I still get weird aches and pains with that, but um, you know, at the time if I always envisioned myself being this eight month pregnant runner, you know, out running, like running to the doctor on the way and it wasn't the reality. And so, um, you know, everyone's pregnancy journey and postpartum journey are going to look different. And sometimes it can be a blessing. Like your stress fracture was possibly a blessing in that it forced you to reevaluate, you know, your comeback. And mm -hmm. at the time, those things don't feel like positives when all you want to do is like, you know, be your, you know, quote normal self, but they, I think they're all part of the journey. And sometimes they end up being, you can reflect later and, and determine that they were maybe a, a slight positive. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. We've had a couple of guests on the podcast that have talked about like trying to get rid of like, come back, like you're going back yes. to where before because yes. never be that. And like, I was looking at pictures of me and my husband in Mexico before I had kids. And I'm like, I would love to look like that again, but I know like I've had three kids now. I will never, I will never look like that again. And I, it doesn't matter because like my body grew three humans Yes. And, and how cool is that? You know? Yeah. So yeah. Trying to, I mean, it's so, so like ingrained in our culture as like, you know, you want to come back, but trying yeah. to get rid of that term, like you can still be the, I mean, you can be the best version of you now. Mm -hmm. You can like focus on improving in the future, but that doesn't mean that you are any different or any better, or any worse than what you were before. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I hate, I hate the term bounce back because it just sounds so simple, but I, <laughs> I try to, I try to frame this as like, I'm just curious about my new body, what it can do. I'm just getting to know it. Like people ask, Oh, do you feel like you're back? And I'm like, no, I, I will never be back, but that's okay. Like I'm just, this is the new normal. Yeah. I love that. You seem like an extremely optimistic person. Maybe and, to a fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm wondering like what happens in your brain or like, how do you get through things when it's, you're not so optimistic? Because I feel like this through a lot of our conversations and then like looking at your Instagram posts, like how do you, you just are so optimistic, but I'm sure there's times when you're. Yeah. So much. I think, I think like what comes with being like a generally very joyful person you also like I I have high highs and low lows like I'm not I'm not the most steady person when it comes to like you know just just day to day like I will be super excited about something and if something bad happens I will be quite sad um, and I think as I've gotten older, I've gotten more steady with it. And then also having a partner who is generally very steady sort of helps me to um, level out a little bit. But like with the stress fracture, it's interesting because I had 
injuries in college as well. And at that time, I was super depressed, frankly, when I got those injuries. Um, I, I just didn't feel like I had the coping skills or, um, you know, running was everything. It was my social network. It was my kind of my self-worth and back in college. And then when I got this stress fracture, yes, I was extremely bummed. Um, but at the same time, I feel like I was able to zoom out a little more, be a little more objective and practical and just think, okay, let's, let's use this as a learning opportunity. Like it's as, as silly as it sounds, like try to find the silver lining. Um, this is a great lesson. Like we get these challenges and these, these opportunities to be really uncomfortable and we grow from that. And I think if you can try to see any challenge as an opportunity for growth, that's going to make it a lot less, um, a lot less disappointing. And I think that's not something that comes very easily. I think it, it honestly kind of just comes with age and experience and knowing that like, I've had stress fractures before. I, I don't like them. It's, it's really unhealthy, but like you will come out the other side and you will learn from them. And, and hopefully you can help other people try to avoid that. Or if they have a similar experience, know that, you know, they'll be okay in the end. I actually, I had Adam Peterman, a male trail runner message me multiple times and say, Hey, I'm really inspired by the way that you've, you know, recovered after your sacral stress fracture, because he had the same exact injury. And I thought, how cool is this? It's not just, it's not just moms that are, you know, talking to me. It's also men who have the same injury that are rooting for me at CIM because it shows them that they can um, heal and, and get back to where they want to be. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. How is um, Lewis as a training partner? Does he go on runs with you? Do you hike with him? Is he incorporated in training or do you like to keep that separate, you know, mom training kind of compartmentalize a little bit? Yeah, he, well, he's the best, um, just like life, uh, companion. Um, he, I'll, I'll go on some stroller runs, but not, not a ton just because it's more work to push the stroller. Um, uh, Tyler actually does a lot of training with him and I think it's, it's conducive to the types of running that Tyler likes to do, like the mountainous hundred milers. Um, I think Lewis was probably his key training partner for UTMB this year. He did a ton of hiking with Lewis in the backpack. So I haven't done as much of that, but, um, I, I think having him, you know, to come back to, or to think about while I'm out running is, is, is really great. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. How do you think, um, your running, or your thought process while you're running has shifted so much since becoming a mom. I think I like going back to feeling more steady. I feel like I'm less, I'm, I'm more secure with my training and less frantic with like, Oh, I have to have this effort or this mileage or these splits. I feel like I used to go, you know, really hard in training. And I feel like now I've backed off a little bit and I'm emphasizing recovery more and I'll be in a workout, not, not thinking about, you know, doing the perfect thing, but just like, Hey, let's just put in some good work. And I think that mindset has really translated to better training and going into races with a much better mindset, um, feeling more fresh. Mm -hmm. 
for sure. You know how um, we've talked before about being well-rounded with like a job and training and, you know, not being just a professional athlete, you have your school, you have your work. Do you find that the parenting does the same thing in that, like, obviously you talked about, you have multiple different priorities now. Um, do you, is it mm-hmm. a positive in that it almost helps your brain, like take a little of that pressure off the running? Because at the end of the day, there's another human being there. That's like, obviously, you know, that's the priority. Like I found it to be a positive thing. Are you finding like the same thing with parenting that you found with like work and, and just making everything more well-rounded? Yeah, I think it, it just like, it makes, it makes life feel in some ways more simple because it's like, what's important is my family and I love running and I want to be very good at it. But like the most important thing is that my family is taken care of and that they're healthy. And I think part of that is, is making sure that I'm able to run and be healthy myself, but it does provide a really nice balance. Okay. So for my last question, I'm wondering if you have any tips for new moms or for people, moms who are just trying to get into ultra running. Yeah. I, I just want to say like, you hear Lewis in the background. (laughs) Um, He knows. knows. He's like, she's almost done. Yeah. Um, Just be kind and patient with yourself. Um, Trust that you will, you will eventually get to wherever it is you want to be and just trust the process. Um, Don't feel like don't feel like you need to run a certain mileage or do a certain workout or anything like that. Just like trust your body and trust your intuition. Um, don't run too many miles and eat a lot of food. (laughs) Those are great tips. (laughs) Oh, it has been so much fun having you here. I wish I could talk to you forever and we'll have you back on the podcast. Yeah. Let's do it again sometime. Sure. Yeah. It's a date. Yeah. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rachel. Bye. Bye. That was so good. That was great. She was so, I loved um, her. She's just an easy person. Like, I think she just has a really good, um, philosophy and well-rounded approach to it all so that was nice to hear I agree I think like just her talking about you know everything that she's doing it just seems like she's just so positive and has a great outlook on on it and really focusing on like paying attention to your body and and I I don't do that either well, well I I mean I think Rachel's a great success story in that, like, obviously CIM is an example where, you know, 14, 15 months post baby, she came back and ran a fabulous race, but I liked how she shared that it wasn't a perfect comeback because you know how, like we, I relish when I hear about other people's kids who are acting out or having a rough day because (laughs) it, you feel not alone. Like, you know, because you just see these pictures of these kids who are just, all, you know, well, well dressed, well behaved. And so I love it when moms share with me, like their horror stories of the morning routine or something, because right. it's so relatable. And I just remember like after Raya, it, I would only see the comeback stories of the strong comeback, you know, moms. And it felt like a really short timeline. And I do think now there's just more being shared and you hear 
the ones who came back strong, but also the ones who are struggling with different, you know, postpartum issues. And so it's nice to just hear Rachel's side where, um, yeah, she made some mistakes, her body paid for it, but then, you know, learning and reevaluating and all of that. So, um, I appreciate when parents and moms and runners share, you know, the ups and downs to any of their stories. Yeah. I mean, I think obviously we know the downsides of like social media, but there's a lot of upsides in like sharing this kind of stuff that like, you're not alone. And I've shared on the podcast and other times like about my miscarriages and you know, that's, it's a, it's a common thing to go through and it's more common to go slowly back into running than to like jump back in and winning a race at two months postpartum or doing UTMB at three months postpartum. Like, right. Just that's that's not the norm i guess and i think what well, they are amazing women and that's awesome it's hard to hear when you're like going through postpartum depression or like you have some injuries that you're going through or even just letting your body heal from something very traumatic like giving birth yeah i um someone had asked me once after raya like i think they were pregnant or hoping to be and like how the comeback came and how like the the running while pregnant and postpartum. And I remember thinking, well, I'm not going to be the story you necessarily want to hear because it was a rocky pregnancy. It was a really rocky birth. And then the comeback was not smooth either, but you know, those are not to, you don't want to like share like a scary story or whatever. Like I kind of edited the birth story, but it's the timeline looks different for everybody. And I think just knowing that um, you know, there's not just one road and it's not always smooth sailing, but you know, Rachel's a great example of like, look what she was still able to accomplish, like just a little after a year of, of having Lewis and the goals that she has coming up are really exciting. I can't wait to see how black Canyon goes for her. Um, I think that foot speed from CIM is going to be so such a great lead up to black Canyon. I really think when people do marathon and then like jump into the trails, they have this great, um, stepping stone and already have the speed taken care of. So it'll be fun. We rooting her up along and exciting to see her, uh, at Western States when she earns that ticket. <laughs> yes, for sure. No pressure, Rachel. It's okay. <laughs> but Win we're, or lose, but right, we're rooting right. for you. We are a hundred percent rooting for her and I have all the confidence in the world that she'll get there. All right. Well, thanks Rachel for coming on and thanks Ashley for being the guest host again. I really love chatting with you. Um, make sure to subscribe to the podcast, rate and review. Those are always really appreciated and I read all of them. Um, you can follow us on Instagram at runhardmomhardpod and then make sure to get your Treeline Coffee called You Got This at treelinecoffee.com and use code RUNHARD10 for 10% off of your order. And that includes subscriptions so you can be fueled for your adventures. Um, otherwise, we'll see you next time. 